A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Hello, I'm Tim Farron and welcome to the show which delves into the mucky business of politics through the eyes of Christians. You might think that politics is tainted by compromise and sin. Well, of course, you'd be right. But then again, so is everything else. And I think we should be praying in an informed way for our brothers and sisters who operate in the world of politics. Today, we're going to be joined by David Burrows, a former MP and now Parliamentary Director of the Conservative Christian Fellowship. We'll discuss how he founded that group and its continuing impact over 30 years on. David will also unpack what it means to be a Conservative and a Christian. But first, crawling through dark tunnels full of snakes and bugs, eating unmentionable animal parts and getting bitten by a scorpion. Former Health Secretary Matt Hancock has defended his arrival in the I'm a Celebrity jungle by saying there are many ways to do the job of being an MP. I must check, but I don't think I saw any of those on my job description. Politicians taking part in reality shows is not a new phenomenon. Nadine Dorries, Penny Mordaunt, Ed Balls, Lembitopic, all have taken on the mantle of reality TV politician. In my time, I've turned down Celebrity Dancing on Ice, which is a second-rate Strictly, and The Island with Bear Grylls, which is a second-rate I'm a Celebrity. So we've now established that I'm the type to get invited on second-rate celeb shows. Anyhow, I said no, because as it happens, I have a more than full-time job being an MP. But Matt Hancock explained that he wanted to reveal his human side. He had become known as the man in charge of hospitals and care homes during the COVID pandemic, who banned people from visiting ill and dying loved ones, but he resigned for breaking the rules himself. He clearly feels that his reputation can't get any worse and is gambling everything on his performance in a show watched and discussed by millions, including us. We're discussing it, even if we haven't watched it. But as well as some cringy entertainment and what has been compared in a Guardian opinion piece to a public flogging, I think we're actually witnessing a culturally significant event. Seriously, bear with me. One of his most revealing comments to fellow contestants was, what I'm really looking for is a bit of forgiveness. In a society where we no longer look to faith to provide meaning, salvation or forgiveness, people are judged and condemned by social media and public opinion. So it's a logical step for a public figure such as Matt Hancock to seek penance and redemption via TV votes. If we don't believe in a God who provides forgiveness, we have to seek it from our peers. Indeed, I'm a Celebrity has been described on Twitter as the Hancock Redemption Show. He knew he would be chosen for all the unpleasant tasks. And through this, he is seeking a salvation by works, taking punishment from those who suffered during the COVID lockdowns. By showing that he can brave the insects and the ick factor, he is hoping to rehabilitate himself in the eyes of the nation. But seeking redemption from our fellow humans is messy and complicated. As our culture seeks to fill the gap left by Christian faith, we become responsible for the creation and maintenance of our own authentic selves. But when we lose the good opinion of others, we are left with the possibility that we will be cast out forever. Many who are angry and hurt by Mr. Hancock's actions have declared that he will never receive their forgiveness. And what then? The opinions of others become capable of making or breaking us. Perhaps that is why Matt Hancock feels he has nothing to lose, but it seems to me a cry for help. He clearly bears a burden of guilt for mistakes that were made and of other people's anger and blame. But even if he goes on to win the show, will the public penance really offer him the release that he is seeking? 
When we seek our redemption from some power within ourselves or others, there is always the fear that we will turn out not to be good enough. And then we've got nowhere to go. If we cannot save ourselves and others are not going to save us, where do we turn? As Christians, it is totally liberating to know that actually we can never be good enough, but that Jesus has taken all our shame and guilt at the cross anyway. Our peace of mind and eternal well-being is not dependent on the fickle opinions of other humans or on undertaking humiliating or painful trials. When put in terms of seeking salvation by works in the jungle, compared with the unearned and freely given gift of acceptance from the creator of the universe, perhaps it is not such a huge leap of imagination for those around us when we seek to share God's grace with them. Our graceless culture encourages us to believe that we don't need forgiveness, yet contradicts itself by swiftly condemning others who think, say or do the wrong things without any possibility for them to be forgiven. It is not possible to forgive in such a culture, because if you do, then you open yourself up to the charge of being secretly one of them, whoever they are. So maybe we should be grateful to Matt Hancock for acknowledging that forgiveness is something that he needs. Self-awareness isn't something I would normally credit the former health secretary with, but maybe on this, he has shown more of it than some of his jungle mates. Let's pray that through their time in the jungle, Matt Hancock and his fellow contestants will start to seek the source of real and permanent forgiveness and peace. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, so to our guest this week, David Burrows, former Member of Parliament and now Parliamentary Director of the Conservative Christian Fellowship. Morning, David. How are you? Good morning, not bad. A little bit croaky voice, but otherwise okay. Sounds as good as I am at this time, so that's all, <laughs> all, all good. So let's get cracking. So I would love to start, as we often do with these interviews, is just to ask you to give us a, a quick account of how you came to believe in Jesus. So, yeah, so I was privileged to grow up in a Christian family and always knew of God's love. But it was only when I was about 13 when I was on a youth camp and uh, realised that it, it was personal, actually. It, was a, it was, wasn't just about my parents' faith or, or being part of a club, that it was about a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So I remember, remember a speaker telling me that Jesus Christ died for you. He saved your sins. He came and to die on the cross for you. And it, I realised it just demanded a response. And uh, then I realised, and I made the commitment as Jesus my saviour, and then uh, him as my Lord is 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 an aspect that has been a challenge and one that been dealing with throughout my life, and if, indeed in in the realm of politics as well, realising that he's Lord over all of my life. And so there's some some times when it really came home to me, not least when my father died when I was 17, that it was a matter of life and death. It was a serious business, and. Uh, and it's been a, you know, the greatest precious privilege to be, to say he's my Lord throughout my life. That's wonderful. You, you got involved in politics relatively early on, not that long after you came to faith. Tell us how that happened. Yeah, so it you know, stumbled across it in many ways. I mean, I was at school, um, I was Robert Halfon was at school with him and he, yeah. his activism kind of rubbed off on me a bit. Uh, and I... But also realizing as a Christian that it was God's business, and uh, so without everything totally thought out, I also uh, became more active uh, down at Exeter University. Again, uh, Robert was actively uh, engaging in politics, and a few other folk who were around now, Sajid Javid and Tim Montgomery, and particularly with Tim, actually, um, fellow Christian, we 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 saw the, the picture there was of um, very much. Uh, uh, 
Christians uh, and conservatives not necessarily be in favour of the month as conservatives. And I realised that, well, you know, we don't mind being um, being being standing up for what we believe in. And so we did that as students um, in the student political world, but also in the Christian political world. I remember in the student political world, when I ended up for, for some reason going to a National Union of Students conference where you were there, Tim, uh, <laughs> on, on the podium with uh, Stephen Tweak, who I ended up uh, um, winning the seat of him. But yes. uh, I realised then when I was, I think I was handing out some pro-life leaflets that it wasn't necessarily the best, it was the most popular thing to do in the NUS conference. And the fact that um, handling those issues, it, I was a, that was a real challenge. I think I was shadowed by a revolutionary communist feminist actually around <laughs> around the winter gods of Blackpool. Not, not, not Claire uh, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's interesting. Yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> put a typical political uh, hat. So, so I realised early on there was, you know, I, I enjoyed contending and um, and speaking up for things, even if they weren't particularly popular for those around me. Mm. The idea of advocacy, I became a, a lawyer, criminal defence lawyer. Um, that that idea of speaking up was important. The the inherent issue of justice, uh, things I didn't think were fair. And that just led me then into, um, again, being encouraged without knowing too much about what the world of local politics, becoming a local councillor at a young tender age of about 21, 22 in Enfield. Um, and then it gravitated into standing for Parliament in Edmonton, coming second, and then um, then the, then beating Stephen Twig with a huge swing, actually. It was in those days when we were really popular. We got the biggest swing from Labour to Conservatives. Uh, the famous Enfield Southgate seat that Michael Tillo yeah. famously lost. BBC made it a top 10 highlight. Um, I think when I beat Stephen Twigger, it didn't get into the top 10, but nevertheless, for, for us locally, it was a bit of a highlight. The man who beat the man who beat Michael Botillo. So, <laughs> That's I mean, where I you mean, up, Twig, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I will not go down this uh, route now, but you talk about uh, National Union of Students a third of a century ago now. Yeah. And if we think cancel culture is a new thing, <gasps> it isn't, is it? <laughs> it's a, It was a, a terrifying thing, actually, to be... A, a Christian in in that kind of those sort of circumstances, yeah. but in the years that have followed, um, you know, you were outside of NUS politics and a, a, an activist within the Conservative Party and a councillor. Alongside our friend Tim Montgomery, you set up the Conservative Christian Fellowship. Um, what does CCF do? Why did it come into being in the first place, and what's its role today? Yes, yeah, so Tim and I, as uh, students, we we went to a Conservative Party conference, and there was a strange band of conservative Christians meeting up, just coming together. And, and then that was it. And we looked around and thought, surely there must be some other, there's a, you know, there's a whole lot of Christians involved in all parts of the party. There must be a fellowship that's going to gather us together, support us in this strange world of politics. The need, there's a need for that support. And we were then, we went to Michael Allison, the late Michael Allison and Ken Hargreaves, uh, members of parliament in the day. And um, they actually encouraged us uh, to, well, you carry on, you know, let's set it up. Um, not least because there was a need for fellowship. We also were really challenged by the fact that there were a lot of people out there saying, how can you possibly be a conservative and a Christian? Mm. And that needed to be contended for. Um, as well as there was a movement to say, well, actually, surely, you know, given what we think of the state of politics, we need to come together as a, a movement of Christian democracy, a polit Christian political movement. <clears throat> and Tim and I felt very strongly that there was a real calling to be Christians in all the political parties, mm. not least the Conservatives, and that we wanted to help encourage people in and for those that are in to help provide that fellowship and support um, and to be, an, an, you know, really uh, to be a Christ-like influence um, 
all throughout the party. So, so we we um, we formed that uh, and encouraged to that by members of parliament, and it's gathered and grown. And and really, you know, through God's God's grace and provision, it's still still going now. With um, you know a lot of members of parliament who've come through the ranks, and mm. uh, we're here to sort of fly the flag and and provide a bridge, really, in some ways between the party and uh, Christians, and also Christians. Um, uh, coming into the party as well and trying to you know be that bridge that's um, helps to provide that support for Christians to be the soul tonight in our party and also to work alongside Christians from other political parties as well. Which you've done incredibly well I mean working with uh, what is now Christians on the left and the Liberal Democrat yeah. Christian Forum I think the kind of three groups uh, often led by CCF I think it's probably fair to say have uh, have worked extremely well and in a really brotherly way in, in mm. order to advance our, our work together and of the work in Christian of Christians in politics in particular you would you, you talked there about uh, the projection of the Conservative Party to Christians in the country but also uh, of the importance of fellowship within the party and particularly within the party in in Parliament how important do you think it is to provide that fellowship for those Christians who are here in this place in the Commons? So so important. I mean, I mean, Tim. I think we um, we came in in two thousand and five, didn't we? And um, yep. we we gathered together in prayer with yes. um, Sharon Hodgson and um, even Crab, Steve yeah. Crab, yeah. And that was really important. Just just even you know trying to find time in the diary was always a challenge, but just to get mm. to get together in prayer was was so important. And that's continued with cross party groups and those meeting uh, to read the Bible together. And it's something I say which surprises um, Christian audiences because with their view of politics is that I think there's more Christians reading the Bible together uh, and praying than ever before. Mm. And that's that's fantastic. Uh, more Christian MPs. Uh, in, and that, that's really important. The, the reason why it's important also is because a number of a number of MPs find it very difficult to find active fellowship in their, in their constituencies mm. or just because of the, the busyness of the of the, the 24 hour Monday to to Sunday uh, activities, mm. they they really do need uh, that fellowship, and also they know that that they a bit like other organisations, Christians in sport or Christians. There's a particular, you know, challenges in the world of politics that you need your fellow travellers to be alongside you and to be praying together um, and to reading the Bible. So so yeah, so really been want to support that fellowship, and also you know within the, the fellowship itself, you know, at party conferences like the other um, like Christians <laughs> on the left and Christian Liberal Democrat Forum, we. We hold prayer breakfasts and a conference service, and really just trying to make sure that you know, we do what 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 is actually encouraged, isn't it, in Parliament when we when we when we come into Parliament? There's the prayers that start off Parliament that you know recognise our Lord's authority, and and want to encourage that for everyone involved in politics that you know we, we humble ourselves and come before our Lord in, in prayer and recognising that it is God's business. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. We're speaking to David Burroughs, former MP and now Parliamentary Director of the Conservative Christian Fellowship. Let's talk a little bit more, David, if that's all right, about being a Christian and a Conservative. Um, for Christians who are liberals, I can I can speak for myself, uh, the critique we often get is about issues on social morality, personal morality. But I've noticed that for Conservatives, the critique tends to be along the lines of um, you know, care for the poor, for asylum seekers and, and criticisms of that nature. So how do you answer that critique? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, fair, a fair critique and it's one that's challenged me throughout my time in politics. And I've, I want to ensure that, you know, when we're looking 
what, what drove me into politics and also into the Conservative Party was a concern for the individual, the human dignity of the individual, which goes from the beginning to end of life and all those life issues which often Christians uh, coalesce around, but also into issues of dignity and how we care for each other, not least for those who are poor, the fatherless, the orphans, and making sure that, you know, our what what we want to be, we want to be compassionate, we want to be concerned for others. Of course we do as Christians, and in the political sphere as well, and indeed we want to see that in government. I suppose the way there's a distinction is we as Conservatives don't necessarily measure the compassion of society in terms of the size of the state um, and in terms of how the, the tax regime works out, but nevertheless that does need to have that concern, not least for the vulnerable, but particularly primarily trying to drive um, individuals and communities, not least around the central place of the family, of how that is a central part of society. And seeing that institution, which we want to conserve um, and make the best of, is where conservatives come in. And so my, my call out to fellow conservatives as well as others who've been involved as conservative Christians is to recognise that isn't just an add-on, our concern for the poor and the vulnerable, the concern for social justice, it must be a central part, which has led, interestingly, for example, Tim Montgomery, who's one of the mm. co-founders of the CCF, to then found the Centre for Social Justice, which um, has helped to feed a lot of um, a more compassionate approach to conservatism, but one that has its history in the Shaftesbury's and the Wilberforce's mm. that, um, that really showed that it is not, no one has a monopoly on compassion and uh, social justice is something that conservatives should be championing in perhaps a different way, uh, but nevertheless, we're all concerned about the end, end game, which is, of course, to help those who are most vulnerable and marginalised. Mm. In every party, particularly if you find yourself in, in government, there are going to be times when you might feel challenged by the party line. That might be more likely for a Christian than for others, but not always the case. Do you think it's possible to be a, a Christian MP and to loyally follow the whip when you're in government, particularly if you hold a ministerial position? Yes, it is. I think very much so. I think we can sometimes, when we look at uh, Christian politicians, sort of play that sort of Christian political bingo where you know, we want you to stand up for that issue on morality, that issue on life, that issue on poverty, that issue on um, the refugee, all those issues. Now, all those have great relevance, and I think encouraging all so politicians to be standing up for those, but there's different ways to do that. And as we see, not least in the Bible, through, through for example, Daniel, uh, you know, such a great model of a Christian politician, not an elected, uh, but one perhaps more an official. But nevertheless, it shows the example of being very, very diligent, of being above corruption and not negligent, of working incredibly well, being competent, being very good. Um, but having his line, he had a particular line that he drew to so that he wasn't going to compromise on our Lord and his and his faith. And, and that's where we see a number of Christian MPs who are whips, they are ministers loyally, is following the line and doing what they think is right um, in, in service to promote and support good governance. And that that's that's important alongside those who are actively challenging, indeed maybe challenging and going against the whip on certain issues. So we have to recognize there's a breadth of political engagement and there's room for all. Look, we need Christians in government. We need Christians who are loyally doing the work well um, to ensure that what we know is, you know, God's servant, to ensure that it does as best we can act as acting servant. So you want God's servants in there if it, if it is to do that, that, that work. So, it, you know, there's a mixed bag there. And whilst we can recognize that there will be times, I've in my time, your time, 
Tim, that there were times that we go against the, the party line. Um, it's going to be a different call for different um, MPs and politicians. And let's not um, say they've reneged on their faith just because they've come to a very difficult decision that they think this is the best thing, you know, prayerfully, faithfully, that they think this is the best thing for them to do. Indeed, I mean, when Daniel entered the Lions Den, that was after many, many years of loyal service that we don't necessarily read an awful lot about. We've got to assume that the kingdom did lots of uh, terrible things, <laughs> or at least things that were not massively in line with uh, Daniel's values uh, and which he dutifully served during. So I think it's hard for us to fill in the gaps there and we don't know exactly what happened in those years but we 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 do know that it's it's good for people who are christians to be in in high office just thinking about more recent times because obviously people who are in power whatever party they're in will get challenged over their policies but over the last year or so um, particularly stemming over the last 12 months with the focus on boris johnson's uh, leadership a lot of the challenge to conservatives including christian conservatives have been around integrity in in high office. How hard has that been to to defend against or to or to reconcile? Yeah, it has it has been hard. You know, and we're in a time when I say CCF came into being when people were challenged challenging us about how can you be a, a conservative uh, and a Christian, um, and people are asking those questions as much about policy but also about values and standards and integrity. And I suppose where there's, it's a flip side to it, because in one sense, you want the, the challenge to be about integrity and standards. Uh, th those have been questions that have been raised about politics over many years, sometimes around uh, issues around personal standards and morality, sometimes about more public standards. But that's where we, we want it to be. You know, we don't want it to be a private issue, standards. Mm -hmm. We want it to be a public issue. And so whilst I've... Um, very sad to see um, those issues particularly being raised and rightly raised against you know, leading conservative politicians in government. I've also been pleased that in some ways that was that was a big basis for um, Boris Johnson um, losing his premiership was on that basis and mm -hmm. and that it was a, a question for the next each of candidates about that. So so we it, it, what a shame if it wasn't centerpiece and it wasn't a concern um, about how we view government. And, and, and what I also say is that you know, for, for Christians, don't just shy away or run away from the politicians because you're concerned about the standards. You know, run to that fire and, and, and mm -hmm. put it out. Recognise that, you know, we as Christians have such a wonderful example through Christ about um, being there to serve and not for power, about being concerned um, about, um, about that ultimate act of service of 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 humility rather than pride, of compassion rather than difference, all those of truth rather than lies, all those things which people throw at politicians and politics. What a great, great example we have for Christians to say, okay, I want to be like Christ. I want to actually get involved in this, uh, in this difficult business of politics. And so I think it should drive Christians to pray more, to get more active and engaged and realize that you know, we want better of our leaders and we have a great example to do that through Christ. David, you've summed up why we do this. Um, I'm really, really grateful to you for, for your time today, but especially for, for that last answer. It's absolutely right that there's no doubt that there's all sorts wrong with our political world. We call this podcast a mucky business because we recognise that politics is, but then again, 
And so is every other part of uh, the fallen creation. And it's so important that Christians do get involved and seek to model Christ-like behavior when we're there. Um, and I see few who do it better than you, David. So it's an absolute honor to have you with us, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. No, it's been great to be with you. Great to encourage people in and uh, to just have a better understanding and just to, you know, pray, as, uh, as Wilberforce, who's a great example to us all, said, you know, pray, pray, pray. Let's keep praying for, for everyone. And, and you, Tim, and everyone else there, uh, keep going. Each week, we give you the opportunity to ask us any question you'd like about this mucky business of politics. It may be how an aspect of this world impacts us as Christians who work within it. Or maybe there's a particular issue that you're struggling to make sense of. Well, I'd love to hear from you and attempt an answer. So please drop me an email to farron at premier.org.uk. Well, this week, Rachel in London has sent in this question. I often get asked to sign a petition or back a campaign. What's the biggest issue which I should be concerned about as a Christian that I can actually have an impact on? I'm going to pick two, if you don't mind, Rachel. The, the first is on assisted dying. I think there are many Christians who instinctively think that assisted dying, for it to be legalised, would be wrong, but perhaps shy away from it because they think that society is so secular these days that politicians won't be interested in what we have to say. I think the arguments against legalising assisted dying are very, very, very strong. And they're strong from a Christian perspective about the value of life to God, but also they're very strong more generally in terms of the uh, poisonous impact, I would say, on a society where ending people's life becomes a thing that medics choose to do. And what that says for the vulnerable going forward, I think there's a very strong argument out there that needs to be uh, made and we can draw, I think, build common cause with others who are not Christians who share our view on these things. And I think that the die is not cast on this issue yet, and government's there for the persuading. The second thing I just pick up on is how we treat asylum seekers. And one of the reasons why is that lots of MPs, particularly government MPs, will go along with a public narrative that these are terrible people invading our shores. My experience of speaking to asylum seekers is that they're not. They're mostly desperate people who are legitimate refugees. And I think our MPs, when they receive uh, calls and uh, letters and, uh, and have people turning up at their surgeries as well, making the case for a more compassionate approach to asylum, I think that will have an impact on how people think about these things. I can think of at least one government MP whose position on the matter has changed dramatically in recent weeks and months precisely because of that. So whatever it is that you choose to take a side on, make sure you do reach out graciously to your Member of Parliament and see if you can't persuade them. If you have a question for Tim, email farron at premier.org.uk. Let's close our time together in prayer. Loving Heavenly Father, uh, the government will have its autumn statement this week, uh, which will look at the public finances and may involve significant changes which might cause real pain to many people. We just pray for wisdom for Jeremy Hunt, the Chancellor, for Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, and for all those making those decisions and announcing them later this week. We pray for wisdom and we pray for compassion. And we pray that you bless and protect, particularly those who are the most vulnerable in our society. We ask, Lord, also for the world leaders at the G20 in Indonesia, uh, meeting together at a time of uh, real global concerns over war in Ukraine, uh, over the decline of the power of the West in places like Afghanistan, where the Taliban now hold sway, and with the great challenge of climate change facing all of us. 
Again, we pray for wisdom. Uh, we pray for sacrificial leadership, for people who will do the right thing and not just say it, and that your spirit will be present. There will be Christians around at the G20, uh, behind uh, the scenes as, as officials, and indeed some who are politicians. Would you especially strengthen them and give them wisdom and show them your favour at this time? And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this week's show. Don't forget you can catch up on past episodes which feature interviews with party leaders, former government ministers and MPs from all the major parties. Just search for A Mucky Business on your chosen podcast provider or head to premierchristianradio.com forward slash A Mucky Business. Thanks ever so much for being with us. Thank you.